we continue this morning in the post-Easter readings from the Gospel of John. The hint of eternal life is here in this text that Jesus comes to followers, to people who desire to know God as the voice of eternal life. And so we hear that voice, and John wants to make sure we know who the voice is. The voice of the Good Shepherd. So listen now to the word that God speaks to us from John chapter 10. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the religious leaders gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The word of the Lord. In life, we become the voices that we hear. We are formed by the voices we listen to, to whom we pay attention. Jesus is articulating how people who follow him will get a clear picture. They know his voice. The sheep hear his voice. He calls them by name. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They do not know the voice of strangers. My own know me, he says. I have other sheep and they listen to my voice. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's about as clear as it can be. People who seek God somehow come to know and trust the voice of Jesus. 
So my question for you today and for myself is, who are the voices you listen to today and who are the voices you've listened to in the past? Who are the voices you hear, you pay attention to, and you trust? Who are the voices of women and men that have influenced your life? Some of us have had the fortune of hearing the voice of God even at young ages. Somewhere by the ages of two and three, I had a clear experience of hearing the voice of God. It was during a rather lonely time. I can remember the feelings of isolation and loneliness. I don't have time to go into that. But I can clearly remember in the middle of the night hearing the voice of God saying to me, you are safe you are loved, you're going to be okay. I still lean into that experience to this day as a 70-year-old adult that I heard the voice of God give me encouragement as a young child. And there are many other voices that I paid attention to growing up. For example, my mother's voice. My dad was the talkative person in the family. My mother was pretty quiet. But when she spoke, we all paid attention. And her three favorite words in a family of nine in a household of 1,200 square feet and one bathroom. That's the way we lived in the west end of the San Fernando Valley for all the years I was in elementary school, junior high, and high school. And my mother's three favorite words were organize, organize, organize. And we paid attention because we knew if we were not organized in that confined space with people my size, we were in deep trouble. Then there was the voice of my grandma Nellie, who had become a person of repute that when grandma Nellie prayed for you, you felt thoroughly prayed for. And so on one visit with my young wife and myself, we visited with her and she took our hands and across a little kitchen table, she prayed for us as a young couple. And we thought, this is an eternal moment, and her voice counts. She had the presence of love and listening. She paid attention, but most of all, you could sense she knew God, and we listened. Then in the sixth grade, my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Glenn, had a plan for me. I was in the California school system where they had those half-year grades, and I was stuck in the middle year. And so she knew I was going to graduate with this kind of strange halfway class, little. She also knew that was going to be trouble in my life. It would be advantageous for me to graduate with the earlier class on the full year. So she came to me one day and she says, I've got a plan for you. I want you to take an entire year's worth in this, uh, work in the sixth grade in six months. And I'll coach you to do it. And I listened. She was looking out for me. 
I paid attention to her voice. And then there was the voice of the woman that was the mother of my girlfriend in college. I probably spent more time with the mom than I did with the girlfriend. And maybe that was the reason why the relationship with the girlfriend really didn't work out, but the relationship of mom did. And one day she said, you know, I have a woman I would like you to meet. Now this, get this, this is the ex-girlfriend's mother. And she says to me, I want you to meet somebody. I want you to show up nonchalantly one afternoon while this young woman takes voice lessons from me. And I want you to act surprised as if you're interrupting. And she introduced me to my future wife. I listened to her voice. Now, my wife is going to be in the second service today, so those of you who can linger around can ask her for validation of this story. There is something that registers deep within us when we hear a voice that we can trust, that we can lean into, and that we can believe loves us. It seems like the theology of the voice goes all the way back to primal times before history. We find the story of Adam and Eve walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hear the sound, they hear the voice of God walking in the garden. And they pay attention. Even after they have blown it and they have done their own thing, they still pay attention to the voice of God. There's something about that voice. In this particular case, They knew that they were in some trouble, and they hid. And then they said to God, as God comes walking along, we heard your voice, but we hid because we were afraid. Isn't that the case of voices that we know and trust? When we do something that we know is frustrating to them, we often hide. How do you know that you're hearing the voice of Jesus the shepherd? That's a big question, isn't it? I'd like to suggest to you there are some patterns in history in our Reformed Presbyterian tradition that articulate how we know the voice. The first one is we know the voice because it's consistent with what we read about Jesus in Scripture. We know the voice because the voice continues to be present in the Spirit. It isn't a dead voice, it's a continuing voice. We know the voice because the voice resonates in the community, particularly in the leadership community. When the elders gather together, we listen for the voice of Jesus to speak to us. But I think the greatest reason we know it's the voice of God and the voice of Jesus is because of this simple line that explains love. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. That's how we know love. When a person is willing to sacrifice something in their life, when they're willing to give up, when they're willing to lay down their life for you and for us. The action of love validates the voice. And if a person doesn't want to lay down their life for you in some way, you want to beware of that voice. 
Beware of the people who want to take your life rather than give you their life. For those voices are dangerous. The same author for the letters of John in the New Testament resonates the truth of this in 1 John chapter 4, where John is trying to help the followers of Jesus to know how to discern the voice. Where John says, test every spirit. Don't just listen to anybody. Test them and see if they, how they compare to the nature of God and Jesus. There's a spirit of truth. There's an integrity of word and action of, from voices that you trust. The overall measure, according to John chapter four, uh, 1 John chapter 4, is that love is willing to lay down its life for other people. That is a repeated theme throughout the Gospel of John. Love sacrifices. Don't listen to any voice that isn't willing to lay down its life for other human beings. Not only that, John says, you know, love absorbs hate, anger, and fear. Love refuses to perpetuate and to perpetrate fear, rage, and anger, and hate. And so we know love because it's consistent with the very words that we have articulated already in this worship service. God is slow to anger and abundant in steadfast love. When we hear a voice like that, we'd better pay attention. Not only that, John says, there's a process of growing in love, maturing in love. The word is often used perfecting love, but I don't like the word perfect because I think it registers the wrong call in our lives. None of us are going to ever be perfect in our love. The issue is growing up and becoming mature in our love, where we more and more hear the right voice and we more and more become the right voice for other people. And the way that love is validated, according to John in the letter, is that when people exude grace and laying down their life for others, and when they cease abuse, they cease hating, they cease driving fear into other people's lives, then that is a clear demonstration that they love God. And John summarizes it all by saying, if God loves us, we ought to love one another. If we really hear the voice of God, this is the way we validate it, when we love other human beings. Growing up in love is not an easy thing to do because there are a lot of voices around us in our culture that want to take us away from that primary value system. The art of listening to the right voices is a big art because there are so many wrong voices in the culture. Learning to pay attention to the deeper voice, the conscience, the good guide, the noble shepherd, as the text articulates, is also one of saying no to dysfunctional voices. Family systems that will tear you down and spit you out. And there are a lot of family systems that want to do you damage. Don't listen to them. 
And so we have a choice to make every day, every moment of our lives, which voice do we listen to? And you often see that cartoon of the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, both whispering in the ear. And who do you listen to? The one who says, lay down your life for other human beings. I have heard voices, even voices in my own family that say things like this. You can't do it. You aren't worthy. You aren't good-looking enough. I had one person tell me that. You can never be a Presbyterian pastor. You aren't distinguished enough. And I said, I've got a way to extinguish your distinguishment. (laughs) You're not smart enough. You'll never amount to anything. What you want to do is not right. You're not good enough to do it. You have voices that still register in your minds that are the negative voices that tell you that you can't, you shouldn't. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God is always a voice to call us to do what we can do and should do and have the power to do. And often it is way beyond other people's expectations or hopes for us. I had a person early in ministry tell me when I told him I wanted to go into small group ministry and he looked at me and he said, you're too big to be in small group ministry. You take up the entire space of a small group. You'll scare people. And at that moment, I heard the voice of God. You need to do small group ministry. Because I believe God works in small groups of people. That's where we often hear the gracious, forgiving, loving voice of God. That's where the sheepfold really works. It's not in the crowd, it's in the small group. As I've mentioned, we have a number of instances in our culture today where people are listening to the wrong voices. The recent case in point in Poway, California, where a shooter is killing and injuring people in a synagogue. And he was nurtured in a Presbyterian church. And the pastor of that church, the only African-American among the Orthodox Presbyterians in the entire United States, said, we have a problem. We have just raised a young man who kills other human beings. And we taught him how. Oh, he upset a lot of people when he said that. There was one article that came out called Praying Presbyterians, and the word praying was P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. And one of the lead statements in there, beware of Presbyterian ministers, because minister rhymes with sinister. What is it? that was going on in that young man's head where he could read the dark web and look at his own Presbyterian theology and decide that it was right to kill Jewish people. Well, one of the things was the Gospel of John. He quotes the Gospel of John and says, well, the Jews killed Jesus, I'm going to kill Jews. There's something went haywire in the communication. 
By the way, that's the reason why I don't use the word the Jews in this text today. I use the word religious leaders. Sometimes even the translation haunts us with the wrong voice. It is not the Jews that did Jesus in. It is the religious and political leaders in the Judean Judean tradition that killed Jesus. Malcolm Gladwell has written a number of unusual books, and one of them is called Blink. The subtitle of Blink is The Power of Thinking Without Thinking. I love that title. It is what you do and how you discern in the area of snap judgment, split-second decisions, and gut feelings. And you've heard people say, well, you can't trust the voice of your gut feelings. And what Malcolm Gladwell says is you better trust the gut feelings. Because often in your gut feelings, you have better sense than if you carefully analyze it. So where do we get the right voice in our gut feelings? Because he also says, you know, there are many times we have the wrong gut feelings. Our gut's upset. He gives the example, by the way, of when our bias can overcome our good instincts. In the very last chapter, he talks about musicians that are auditioning for symphony orchestras. And in history, when a man auditioned for a symphony orchestra, he got deference because he was a man, and the women were actually undermined because it was a woman that was auditioning. And he said, well, let's take care of that. Let's put a screen up so you can't tell whether the person auditioning is male or female. You just listen to the quality of what they're producing in sound. You know what they discovered? A lot more women were hired for symphonic orchestras. And they get the case in point of a Munich conductor who basically hired a woman who he loved behind the screen. He discovered she was a woman and began to undermine her for the rest of the time in the orchestra. The gut feeling was wrong. Because some voice in the past had whispered strongly, and it was the voice of conductors past, who said, women can't play in professional symphony orchestras. So we better get our gut instincts right. And what Gladwell says is, you need to learn to trust them, but you also need to hold them in accountability. Now, here's the really difficult thing in our age about listening to the right voices. The estimate is about 50% of all Americans today have what is called some form of detachment disorder, where they never felt loved by their primary caregivers. Now, that's amazing, 50% the estimates, where they grew up in a in a home where there was a dysfunctional parent or a dysfunctional caregiver, and they never felt connected, and so they've grown up with an inability to hear a loving voice and to be a loving voice. There are some who argue this is one of the great reasons for so many divorces. Because you see, some people never grew up to be able to receive a loving voice or to give a loving voice. Now, even if just a part of that is true, 
we Presbyterians need to pay attention because there are a number of people around us who don't hear and feel love when we say it. And here's what's said about those people in order for recovery to take place. They need to listen to a different voice that gives them a new story, a new community, a new loving leader, and that basically is the story of a loving God who can overcome all the dysfunction detachment issues in their primal life. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the people who follow me know my voice, he was digging deep into our psyches. We desperately need to hear the loving voice of a good shepherd. Because many of us, really, deep down inside, never had the loving voice of a good parent. Part of what we have to face is the state of our culture, that there's a lot more detachment relationally than we like to care to admit. And so the moral of the story is simple. If we grow up without a deep sense of attachment to a loving God, it isn't too late. This is the wonderful thing about eternal life. God never gives up on us. God keeps whispering that still small voice and keeps asserting in our lives that God is gracious and kind, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness. God never gives up on that voice whispering sometimes in our ear and sometimes yelling at us to convince us that we don't have to live the rest of our lives detached. So today, let me affirm, the heart of the gospel is that God loves us so much that sent Jesus to lay down his life for us, and we know love because the loving person is willing to lay down their life for the people that they love. And that changes the heart of our ability to hear the right voice. Let us pray. O oh Lord, don't allow us to hear the dysfunctional voices that have blared so loudly in our lives, but help us to hear your still, gentle, patient, small voice the voice of the Good Shepherd that loves us and doesn't want to hurt us, wants us to bring us to eternal life. Be with us now in that voice. Through Christ we pray. Amen.